the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. I'm Ron Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. What do I mean by anything we, you want to talk about, we could talk about? If you have a financial question, don't be shy. It could be college debt. It could be about your 401k. It could be how much money do you need to save. Um, it could be a lot of little things. Um, is there a way to invest in HBO is getting ready to come out with HBO Go, um, HBO Now, which will be an app that you can use on Roku or Amazon or Apple TV. It'll be pretty cool. Um, is there an investment angle there? There is. It's Time Warner. Is Time Warner Does HBO Now move the needle for Time Warner? It doesn't cost them a lot of money, if you put it that way. You know, HBO Now will use a lot of shows like Sex and the City and um, The Sopranos and The Wire, Game of Thrones, things that they've already invested in and spent the money on. And, you know, it'll be a nice return for them. Not going to hurt them, that's for darn sure. So one of the things I want to talk about today is an analyst that I heard recently talk. And I thought it was pretty insightful. And I want to kind of share that with you. Um, it's a New York University um, teacher, Professor Scott Galloway. He delivers one of the most masterful 15 minutes worth of important tech trends I've ever seen and or heard. He's got strong opinions about what's going to happen to Amazon, Facebook, Google, and Apple in the future. Um, at one point in time with Google, I mean, he's a good speaker. He goes, Google Glass is not a wearable. It's a prophylactic, ensuring you will not conceive a child because no one will never get near you. That's the tone, okay? So I'm going to start it, and maybe I'll stop it in between. And let's just go with this. Again, it's Professor Scott Galloway from New York University talking about Amazon and Facebook, Google, and Apple. I have... 900 seconds and 90 slides, so fasten your seatbelts. At NYU Stern, we developed an algorithm in 2010 that looks at 850 data points 
across four dimensions, site, digital marketing, social and mobile, and across 11 geographies. We apply this against 1,300 brands, and over the course of time, we like to think that we can make recommendations around who the winners and losers are, what platforms and technologies people are investing or divesting from, sort of an always on, or think of us as train spotters that see patterns in what's going on. And in a 2% growth economy, any company that's growing faster than 2%, there's someone on the losing end of that. And I think it's just as important to talk about the losers as the winners. And at conferences, we tend to only talk about the winners. So I affectionately call this the four horsemen. I was asked to look at the four most dominant companies in digital and make some sort of predictions around who's going to increase in value and influence and who will decrease in, in influence and value. So when we say loser, we just mean decrease in value or influence. Any of these companies could technically be losers for the next 10 years and still be incredibly important. They're all amazing companies. I also want to say that I get it wrong all the time. And I constantly hear from these brands after we talk to them. But I hope most of this is right, but I know some of it is wrong. So enough of the fine print. These companies have a combined market cap of $1.3 which is greater than the GDP of South Korea. Market cap of approximately $5 million per employee. That blows away any country. If these four companies got together and created a society for their employees, it would look like something out of Elysium, the movie with Matt Damon. Let's kick off and talk about Amazon. We believe that pure play retail is going away, that e-commerce companies are either going to open stores or go out of business. Okay, so he's going to start talking about Amazon. And let's back that up maybe about five seconds, five seconds, ten seconds. Um, this is Professor Scott Galloway, New York University. He's talking about one of the biggest threats to Amazon. And it's going to shock you what he says. It shocked me. And he's, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you the way the hint right here. It's Macy's. It's not a company you would think, but he's going to make a damn good point on it. So let's back it up about 10 seconds. And again, it's Scott Galloway talking about what could bring down Amazon's empire. Let's kick off and talk about Amazon. We believe that pure play retail is going away, that e-commerce companies are either going to open stores or go out of business, and retailers need to be either excellent at digital or they will go out of business. I also believe that Amazon cannot survive as a pure play retailer. There's evidence everywhere. Fab launches to, raises $250 million at a billion-dollar valuation. Fourteen months later, it's sold for $15 million. I believe Fab, Gilt, Net-A-Porte are all fantastic companies. The once the venture capital community falls out of love with their magnetic founders and they long, longer have access to cheap capital, they will discover their business models don't work and go out of business. Or they will open stores. And the majority of them are running to open stores. Stores are the new black in the world of e-commerce. We've discovered these incredibly flexible, robust warehouses called stores. So Rent the Runway, Warby Parker, and a variety of pure plays are now opening stores. The most impressive of which, Warby Parker, whose sales are second in the U.S. per square foot, just behind Apple and just ahead of Tiffany. Retailers are not befuddled prey waiting around to get to get disrupted. They, in fact, are growing their e-commerce businesses. This is a list of retailers that are growing their e-commerce businesses faster than Amazon. You might think Amazon's the most innovative company in retail. Over the last 10 years, that might be true. But if you look at the last five years, it's been Macy's from a shareholder standpoint. And Amazon has had the lowest return of almost every major retailer in the U.S. over the last year. This is the returns of the biggest retailers in Europe, which you can take away. The European retail has failed its investors. 
The strategy of Amazon is a last man strategy to a last mile strategy, a last man standing, a multi-billion dollar investment in last mile through incredible fulfillment infrastructure, hoping that other retailers have to follow them and then run out of oxygen because no other retailer has access to the same cheap capital as Amazon. However, we have revealed an Achilles heel of Amazon, Amazon's heel, and that is their shipping costs are exploding 40% a year. And over the last nine months, they've gone up more than 40%, which is not sustainable even for Amazon. Their shipping fees, or what they took in for shipping, was $3 billion, but they spent almost $7 billion on transportation costs. This is not sustainable. It's a race to the bottom. They forced everybody else to offer free shipping. Two-thirds of Christmas packages were brought to you free. It used to be one-third. That happened in just 12 months. Some of their differentiation, one-click ordering, and incredible um, same-day fulfillment. I believe those points of differentiation are being eroded by on-demand payment and on-demand delivery, or specifically, I think, likely the disruptive force for Amazon, who's been the most disruptive force in retail in America, is going to be Uber. And it came to me when I took an Uber ride in Southern Florida, and it was $4. In Chicago, you can hire a car and a driver for 90 cents a mile. If you spent the same amount on Amazon as Amazon did on shipping services, that's 7 billion miles of flexible delivery in the U.S. This is a heat map of uh, blah blah car, and it's usually showing a ton of, of a ton, excuse me, carpooling.com, and it's usually showing people carpooling all over Germany. And what I see are not people sharing cars. I see flexible work staff without brown or yellow DHL uniforms who are going to be delivering packages. This guy is about to disrupt Amazon, in our view. The other big trend in retail is something pretty boring people don't talk about. Okay, let's cut it there, and we'll come back in the next segment and start up a little bit more on this. If you want a copy of this video presentation, I think it's pretty fascinating. He's talking about how shipping costs are going to kill Amazon going forward, and how companies like Uber will be probably working with Macy's later this year to deliver your goods to your home or Best Buy or someone along those levels. There's a lot of sense in what he's saying that retail does have to get in more commerce, local retail does, but they also have to figure out a way to deliver it to you. And it could do, they could do that a lot easier than Amazon can from a warehouse in the middle of California. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. One of the things I do want to throw out there uh, is that I try to bring up a different perspective on investing and getting you to retirement. Um, I don't think you have to reinvent the wheel. You know, I don't think you have to go aggressively for the fence. I don't think you have to be smarter than an analyst on Wall Street. 
But today I'm playing a segment for you from Professor Scott Galloway giving a 15-minute speech on important tech trends. And we started the first segment with Amazon. Let's finish up what he has to say about Amazon. And maybe next segment we'll get into Apple because I think it's very, very insightful. One of the things he's talking about is e-commerce companies have to have physical locations. You recently saw Radio Shack go bankrupt. And one of the most important things they have is physical locations. And they're going to be fought over. Companies like Amazon do want to get in and jump on it. Uh, Companies like Sprint and Verizon want to get in and jump on those locations because the physical location is where you're likely to buy your product. Um, In the end, Amazon can't keep its business model what it's doing of shipping from warehouses in the middle of the country to where you are or the middle of the state where you are to where you are. It's too expensive per mile. Um, And we're moving more and more so towards instant gratification. I was speaking with an analyst from the street last year late. And one of the things he said is Macy's going to get into same-day delivery and they're going to be a power, they're going to be good at it. So the street already knows about this, literally. Let's finish up with what uh, Professor Scott Galloway has to say about Amazon. The other big trend in retail is something pretty boring people don't talk about, click and collect, ordering online, picking up in store. It ends up that stores are fantastic and flexible warehouses. Two-thirds of Europeans have tried this before. In the U.S., we're well behind. Pickup points for online orders, drive-through pickup points in France have exploded from one to 3,000 just in the last year. Also, stores are using their brick-and-mortar locations for flexible warehouses. If you order a flat-screen TV from Best Buy, it will now get there faster than if you order from Amazon because they're using their local store as the warehouse to fulfill. The retailer of the future is not Amazon, it's Macy's that has multi-channel retail. Macy's is a metaphor for what's happening not only in retail but in our larger economy. They're closing 15 stores, reinvesting $2 billion in online commerce. Most of these jobs are going away. They're forty dollars to $80,000 sales jobs and being replaced by twenty dollars to $40,000 factory and fulfillment jobs. It's a larger metaphor for the economy where we're losing middle-class jobs. Some some services jobs going away, some growth in healthcare and education, some fantastic new jobs for people in the information economy, but where the real job growth is, is low-wage, on-demand services. The smartphone economy is going to be outstanding for employment. It's going to be terrible for wages. Some predictions. Amazon will decline in value. Amazon will make a transformative brick-and-mortar acquisition in the next 12 months because they have no choice. Pure play does not work. Top candidates, Radio uh, Radio Shack, my favorite is I think they will buy a gas station company and use gas stations that are decreasing in their importance such that people can pick up their orders or they may in fact buy or invest in the U.S. post office. And the music is stopping for pure play e-commerce companies. Let's talk about Facebook. Facebook has redefined the taxonomy. So if you want a copy of the speech, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com and I'll, I'll get it out to you. I bring this up because I do think that it's important to um, I do think that it's important to to study this and to you know I've been saying for two or three years now Amazon should buy Radio Shack or Apple should because Apple doesn't need to have a super big store all the time it's nice how about an Apple store without a Genius Bar how about just an Apple store showing you the new products. Mm. If Amazon truly wants to get into telephones and truly wants to get into tablets and and televisions and things along those lines, Amazon's got this new product out that's really, really cool. And I don't know the name of it, but you plug it into your wall and it plugs into your wireless network and you could say things like, what's the weather like outside? Let's say it's Sarah instead of Siri. Hey, Sarah, what's the weather like outside? And it's always listening and it'll it'll pick up on 
your question and answer it for you. Um, hey, Sarah, is my flight uh, on time at the airport? And it'll do it for you. So it's kind of a hands-free search engine. Pretty cool product. Um, but no one knows about it. you got to get those physical locations out there and going. Anyhow, moving forward with content today, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, China lowers their growth rate to about 7%. That's good. Better than the United States. But China's got a real big problem. Most of China's success comes on the coasts. If you go into the country, it's pretty darn poor. China plans an economic growth rate of about 7% in 2015, marking its weakest expansion since 1990, and a further slowing of the world's second largest economy. In 2014, GDP growth was 7.4%, below their official target of 7.5%. Um, so India is starting to take over the torch as the area where professional investors want to invest over China. With China, if you get just bulk growth, you love it. But you get bulk growth of manufacturing companies. In India, you've got a much more diverse economy. You've got a much more diverse political system, a much more diverse collegiate system. Um, you've got just as many engineers coming out of China as you do India. So a lot of people are saying, you know, the safer bet going forward is not the robustness of China, but the diversity of the billions and billions and billions of people in India. Um, home equity loans are facing a new risk. The pain of the overstretching during the last housing boom isn't quite over yet. Home equity lines of credit, which are usually second loans after the primary mortgage, were incredibly popular between 2005 and 2008. They allowed homeowners to use their properties like an ATM, which I find to be a very bad idea. If you take money out of your home, where are you going to put it? Don't forget, if you take money out of your home, you have a loan on that, and you pay it back on a home equity line of credit. After 10 years... Um, some of these you know, loans turn into pumpkins. The low interest rate can be reset with a higher interest rate. Borrowers are no longer allowed to draw funds from credit lines. Borrowers must begin paying down that loan principal. Home purchases um, you know, at the peak of the housing bubble of 2005-2008 are more likely to still be underwater despite a strong recovery in home prices over the last three years. Uh, 56% of the 3.3 million home equity lines of credit potentially reset with higher fully amortized monthly payments from 2015 to 2018. Um, states with the most HELOC resets are California, Florida, Illinois, Texas, and New Jersey. States with foreclosure rates were still in a, well above the national average. Phil's Coffee just raised $15 million in venture capital, and it's planning to take over the United States. <laughs> I'm not sure they're going to be able to do that, but... There is an appetite for non-Starbucks. Phil's Coffee is just about the official beverage of Silicon Valley. Founder Phil Jaber blends fuel, uh, coffee fuel, for employees of Google, Apple, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. The company has 18 shops in the Bay Area and one outpost in Los Angeles. It's going to continue to grow. So $15 million in venture capital. Starbucks would be wise to buy them up sooner rather than later. Love my San Francisco. What a great city. Eh, pretty good city. I'm Rob Black.
I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Got a seminar coming up next Thursday, the 12th at the Marriott in Walnut Creek. I only get out to the east, far east bay once a year, and this is the time. Um, I get out to the central east bay probably twice a year. Ten Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar at the Marriott Thursday evening, Walnut Creek, 630 to 9. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com, tax-efficient investing, social security benefits, how to pick income, stocks, market conditions, and much, much more. Squeeze in a quick phone call. San Jose, Patrick. Hello. How are you? Good. Um, yeah, I wanted to kind of maybe get your perspective and maybe help us understand kind of active versus passive investing. And I guess I kind of understand it at the highest level. And I guess what got me thinking was I think earlier in the week you had some conversation about 401Ks and um, possibly the idea of uh, rebalancing once a quarter. And I'm wondering if that's if you consider that active uh, by doing it that often. Um, and I guess just your overall perspective on the, on active versus passive for someone maybe in 50 years. Sure. And thanks for the call. Um, passive investing and rebalancing your portfolio is not something I would refer to as pass- as active investing. Amateur and professional investors alike always look for a clear route to the best returns. Um, the debate has gone on, do you do it passively through indexes? You put your money into funds that hold stocks determined by a given index, such as the S&P 500. Um, the so-called indexers swear by the potential of so-called passive management to smooth over bumps and reflect the market's total return. But champions of active management insist that indexing can be as certain as a road to ruin as it is to riches. So there's a debate on it. Passively managed stock mutual funds, those pegged to an index, are fine when the overall market's rising in value because these indexes tend to rise in tandem. Yet the absence of management to buy and sell stocks means that there's little risk management. In a down or volatile market, it can mean losses. So as you get older and closer to retirement, you're going to obviously want to be a little bit more on top of your potential downside. Market doesn't really have three year, four years bad in a row. So you can expect two, two and a half, sometimes three years in a row of negative returns. So that's why as you get older, you can no longer, you know, have that time to quote-unquote recover. Critics of passive management often fail to consider returns relative to risk. If a passive fund returns 90% of the index, taking only 70% of the market's risk, that's pretty good. I prefer the average investor to go passively. Find a large-cap fund, a mid-cap fund, a small-cap fund, and and I'll even go as far as, say, ETFs. They're more tax-efficient. They're lower costs. Active management, you're paying for, let's say I'm a, a, a mutual fund manager in China. You're paying for me, you're paying for my food, you're paying for my staff, you're paying for my building, you're paying for all the research that I have to spend and uh, you know put into buying Chinese stocks for you. I prefer passive investing, where you're just tracking you know indices or countries. Um, it keeps the cost lower. Now, I've been running some clips recently of this guy, Professor Scott Galloway. He gave one of the most masterful 15-minute speeches that I've ever heard on trend investing. So we started with Amazon. Now let's hear what he has to say about Apple. About Apple. (laughs) What makes a luxury brand? The first is an absolute majesty of reverence for artisanship and craft. At the very beginning, there's someone who is obsessed with a passion and a love for the craftsmanship, the art of the object itself. You also have an iconic founder. You also have an exceptionally high price point. You have vertical control of your distribution, recognizing that brands are now built at purchase in addition to at broadcast media, so an exceptional investment in stores and control. 
Luxury, for the first time last year, now controls over 50% of its distribution. You're vertical, you're global. Rich people are the most boring people in the world. They smell, look, and feel alike. They all fly British Airways, wear Hermes, and party in St. Bart's. The middle class is much more different. Luxury brands are able to go global faster because rich people aspire to the same things. You also have, and I think this is the most important thing and the reason why Apple is about to become the first trillion dollar brand, luxury brands give you self-expressive benefit. They signal something about you. This is not a timepiece I have not wound it in five years. It's my vain attempt to express Italian masculinity and signal, that if, and signal that if you mate with me, I'm more likely to take care of your offspring than someone wearing a Swatch watch. <laughs> we like to think we're more evolved than that. We're not. The most powerful luxury brand in the world is Apple. Craftsmanship, an iconic founder, exceptional price point. Find another technology product that over time as it's matured has expanded its margins. This is the only tech product I can find that's been able to achieve that. Exceptional price point, control of their distribution. They opened stores just 13 years ago, now the most successful retailer in the store. The store I'm looking at here on Fifth Avenue to a half a billion dollars just in this one underground store. It's very much a global brand with exceptional brand management and, and core associations that extend beyond cultural boundaries. And what's the key? The self-expressive benefit. It's no accident they hired Paul Deneb out of YSL or Angela Behrens was willing to give up a $28 million job and move to Cupertino. She's not opening stores. She's building the next great luxury brand. Look how Burberry-esque this Apple Watch ad looks. Self-expressive benefit. There are only three things, three things we do in business, and that's appeal to people's instinct to survive, food, housing, uh, uh, food, housing, warmth, clothing, their ability, their instinct to love, choosy moms, choose Jeff, buy Tide. If the clothes are uh, washed with Tide, it shows that you love your family and your desire to propagate. And that's, as you move down the torso, the margins get better and the business gets better, and luxury is in the business of propagation. Tesla is not an environmental car. It's an attempt to tell people you can afford a $120,000 car. The core axiom of evolution is men paying $150,000 for cars that can go 160 miles an hour in domains where you can only go 55. Makes no sense. Women will continue to pay $600 for ergonomically impossible shoes to try and solicit inbound offers from those same men. Don't laugh. I believe this stuff. Anyways. Apple is the only company in history that has successfully migrated down that torso, the only tech company in history. It used to be the best computer, then it sang to your heart with songs. Now it's the ultimate self-expressive benefit brand. This is a heat map of operating systems. This is the iOS operating system, the wealthy areas in Manhattan. As you go into the lower-income households in suburbia, Android lights up. By the way, if you see purple in the middle, that's Jurassic Park. That's the dinosaurs using Blackberry. This is Los Angeles. If you want to live on the coast or in Beverly Hills, you own, have to own an iOS. If you want to move inland or into South Central, you can use, you can use Android. The ultimate self-expressive benefit brand is now an iPhone. For those of you carrying an iPhone, it means you're wealthier and better educated and more likely to have more options in terms of who you mate with. We knew they were going into watches. You want to see a company in denial? Talk to the watch industry. I'm going to fly through this. First year, Apple's going to be the biggest watch company in the world. Who does this hurt? It hurts everybody. Not just watch companies, but all aspirational price point brands. Teen retailers have been getting killed. They're staring at their navel. Is it a product? Is it a brand problem? It's an Apple problem. These brands get hurt. 
Predictions, Apple will become the first trillion dollar market cap company on the back of its successful transition to a luxury brand. The luxury boom hits a wall. China, lack of innovation. Apple, my name is Scott Galloway, I teach at NYU Stern. I appreciate your time. Let's call up our panelists. So if anyone wants a copy of that, <clears throat> Facebook, and let's just say he's really, really positive on Facebook and not so much on Google. So his two losers were Amazon and Google, and his two winners were Apple and Facebook um, on who wins and who loses. Now, again, he's not saying those stocks can't go higher. He's not predicting that. He's saying who's going to dominate what they do and continue to build on it. What's interesting about Apple and I really started figuring this out and communicating it to you a couple of years ago. And I, I, sometimes I said it in a dumb way. Like if you see a kid at school, do you remember going to school and lunchboxes? You had to like shop for the ultimately coolest lunchbox. Those first couple of weeks would decide who your friends would be by who had the coolest lunchboxes. I had a Scooby-Doo lunchbox. I had a Scooby-Doo lunchbox, a Mr. T lunchbox. I was cool. I was loved. I was wanted. I was pursued by other children. Same thing now with Apple. Um, you know, take a look at ten-year-old kids, twelve-year-old kids. They're carrying on iPhones, and it's getting younger and younger. I know a family of four where the first kid didn't get a phone until they were sixteen. The second kid got it at fourteen. The third kid got it at twelve. So they're they're thinking their fourth kid's probably gonna get a phone somewhere around ten or eleven. And these are six hundred dollar pieces of of computing power. They're not cheap. There's a, an ecology. I was doing a backup of my iPhone yesterday, and, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, I could put my, I, for some reason, I, I, I bought the Talking Heads Stop Making Sense uh, movie, High Definition, 999. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, it's a concert movie. I remember seeing it in theater, and uh, people were dancing in the aisles of a movie theater. Um, I was a young, young, young boy when it came out. My brother... Clint took it to me because he thought it would be something you know that I should see it. He was right. You know, forty years later or thirty-five years later, I'm still you know caring about the movie. So I remember it. I'm like, wow, I could put this on my TV. I don't just have to have it on my phone at the gym, kind of thing. So Apple is a luxury product, and one of the things that he brought up, and this is just fascinating. In year one, they're going to be the biggest watch company in the world. Think about all the Swiss Rolexes and things like that. In year one, Apple will become the biggest watchmaker in the world. They got a lot riding on it, of course. You know, should they have used some sort of internal battery that could be replaced on, at some sort of period of time, having to charge it, putting in sensors, drains battery lives? It's not going to be a, a complete product. First, first one, I'm going to wait at least for the second or the third one, at least, even if I go that far. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. If anyone wants a copy of that speech, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. That's rob at robblack.com.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I haven't done a great job communicating today. I don't know why. Sometimes it just gets stuck in my mouth and it doesn't come out right. Um, I need some Ligurian olive oil. It is a region of, of Italy, for the record. And I know you're saying, like, that's pretty specific. Yeah, yeah, there's even a Western Ligurian olive oil that's different than the Eastern. Uh, I know you're saying, what's this all about? Um, I'm visiting a restaurant called Donato Inoteca. Um, they're a Michelin chip rated restaurant. And I was talking to my producer about this and him and I were laughing because I don't really like super fancy foods. I don't like super high end ingredients. Um, it, it, I don't need uh, things that I don't know what are like, what is a sauvé wine? Don't know. And that's a bad example. Um, let me give you a, a, pim, a, pim, a pim, Pimantes, Pimantes beef loin. Now, what is, it's P-I-E-M-O-N-T-E-S-E. Like, that's, what ingredient is that? I like mushrooms and garlic and parsley, but uh, trapanese, I'm like, what is trapanese or arabetta? Like, and you, you feel like, you don't want to, like, ask the waiter, what's that? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Because that's the moment that they are relishing. They're going to squash you with uh, how smart they are. But anyway, um, I was playing a, a, an event today. I wasn't playing an event. I was playing a speech by Scott Galloway um, out of New York University. It's a 15-minute speech that I can send you a link to. It's one of the most dynamic, informative pieces that I've heard on investing in trends tied towards technology. What Amazon's going to, what's going to bring Amazon down? It's fulfillment costs. What's going to save old retailers? It's the lack of miles that they have to put between their stores and your home. Um, what's going to, you know, what is Facebook doing right? What is Facebook doing wrong? Facebook, in his presentation, we didn't have time to play it today. He talked about how Facebook has basically all of America and Europe. And for parts of South America and Asia, and Africa that Facebook doesn't have, they bought a company called WhatsApp. And WhatsApp has all of them. So essentially, and they paid $18 billion for it, which was a crazy acquisition if I've ever heard of one. But keep in mind, when Google bought YouTube, people thought it was crazy as well. And now look, every kid under the age of 21 has got their face in Facebook. You've got a little kid, you put them, you know, you get nursery rhymes and you, you know, line them, you queue them up on YouTube and Boom, 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 boom. Just like that, you're not, you know, you're, you've got your kid happy, right? Apple's going to be added to the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Oh, by the way, if anyone wants that copy of that speech, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Apple's going to be added to the Dow Jones Industrial Average, replacing AT&T. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, and I'm going to say this with peace and love, uh, the Dow Jones should have done that about roughly $300 billion ago. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average at this point in time would be at Dow Jones 30,000, not 18,000, 30,000. Um, it's a little late in the company. I like Apple. I own Apple. Um, I think the watch is going to work on some levels, um, a lot like the iPod did. It, it, it wasn't a smash success initially. It grew into one. Um, but $744 billion company, it pays a dividend, which is nice. Um, there's no way, there's no way I'm predicting this is going to be a $1.5 trillion company. 
in the next three to five years. So the growth of the stock, there is some in there for sure. But when you're that big, that's like being a 700-pound man. It's easier to go from 300 to 700 than it is from 700 to 1400. And it's impossible to go from 1400 to 2800 as a man, unless I guess you're on Mars and that's when gravity weighs you differently or something like that. And don't ask me to explain that because I can't possibly. Um, and again, I'm saying that with peace and love. Apple's working on a thinner version of their Apple TV product. Um, they were going to they were going to announce it right about now, but because HBO's new HBO Now service, the device could be delayed until later in the year. So there's reports of new content partnerships with HBO, and that could be built in to the new Apple TV box. And you know how Apple gave away that free U2 album recently, and no one wanted it. Well, and U2 felt bad because suddenly their music was considered junk on your phone versus something that you actually wanted. Um, HBO could be making a deal with Apple to give away like three free months of HBO now with a new Apple TV product. And that would get, you know, sales there. Apple TV, by the way, it's, it's clunky. I hate the remote, but, and this is a big, but the new Apple TV product will have a different remote. Um, but, and I, I don't know if I have any more things there. Oh, they're going to make a subtle change to the operating system of the Apple TV. Right now, it shows you all the apps that you could have. And they're going to include an app store so that you don't have to see all that. And that'll encourage other developers to develop for it. Um, worthy of note. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Non-farm payrolls beat expectations. That's nice. The market doesn't think it's nice. And here's where the mortgage lenders are going to get screwed. As the economy is improving, interest rates are moving higher. Ten-year Treasury today sits at 2.25% based on those employment numbers. It jumped big. So if you had a rate quoted to you yesterday and you didn't lock, uh-oh, it's more expensive today. And that's slowly but surely been the trend in employment. Now, again, our middle class is still a big problem in the United States. Anyhow, big event coming up next Thursday, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning. I'll give a lot of insights at that. You can sign up for the event at the Marriott Walnut Creek, 630 to 9, March 12th. I'm Rob Black. Sign up at robblack.com. Take a break here. Have a nice weekend, everyone. Try to unplug and love the people in your life. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn. 
With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.